0: What is up, freaks? I hope all is well. Happy Friday. It's your boy, Marty Bent, here to introduce this week's episode. We got Bitcoin Sign Guy in the studio again. Always a pleasure to have BSG in the in the studio this time, though. Talking about, uh, well, maybe a controversial topic to some people out there. A lot of people think this project is a shitcoin. I'm not so convinced it's a shitcoin yet. Uh, there are a lot of questions about the initial distribution of the address space, but... Forgetting that, I think the uh, ethos and uh, goals of the Erbit Project are extremely fascinating, uh, extremely crucial, more importantly, at this particular junction that we find ourselves in here. Uh, if I don't know if you guys saw the New York Times article that came out yesterday in the series. I think they're on uh, part three of the series by this point already this morning. Um, but it seems that uh, we are not really good at securing our data. And Urbit is a project that is aiming to help secure our data. Um, so I was very interested to sit down with BSG, and dive into Urbic, Urbic, Urbit, um, how it works, uh, and how they've been refining their pitch. It's been, uh, Urbit's always been a bit of a, uh, I'm not gonna lie, confusing project to me. Uh, I'm getting less and less confused as time goes on and I learn more about it. Uh, bsg seems to think that Urbit is an essential uh, system uh, for bitcoin in the future if you really want to secure bitcoin at the individual level he believes that Urbit is an imperative so we uh, talked about it for about an hour and 50 minutes i believe i don't know i haven't uploaded the audio file yet I'm recording the ad first speaking of the ad this episode of tales from the crypt is brought to you by the cash app you freaks already know all about them They're helping you stack sats, they're helping you send sats, they're helping you receive sats, and now they're helping you stack slivers of stonks, if you want to, or slivers of shares. Uh, Introducing Cash App Investing. You freaks already know all about them. Uh, If you ever have wanted to invest in a stock but have not invested because it's a bit out of your price range, Cash App Investing is now letting you buy slivers of shares. You can buy as little as $1, uh, excuse me, buy, uh, yeah, as little as $1 worth of your favorite stock. On top of that, they still have the boost program, which is an incredible program that allows you to go to uh, Cash App Partner Merchants and save. My favorite, uh, recently, I like the MTA. They have the MTA boost here in New York City, and uh, you save a dollar on the subway. Um, And again, don't forget, you can stack slivers a shot. Shares and because Cash App is directly connected to your bank account, there's no four to five day waiting periods for inbound transfers, so you can start investing today. Broker services are provided by Cash App, investing a subsidiary of Square and member SIPC. As always, use the code Stacking Sats. That's one word, Stacking Sats. You're going to get ten dollars, and ten dollars is going to go to our good friends at Owls Lacrosse. Owls Lacrosse is going to get ten dollars if you use the code Stacking Sats. Download the Cash App from the App Store or Google Play Store today. Enjoy this conversation. Uh, enter it with an open mind, I would, I would uh, suggest. Uh, yeah, enjoy. <laughs> from
1: the crypt.
0: Explain Urbit to me or I'll fucking kill you. Don't dumb it down. Don't dumb it down to some vague shit. Explain Urbit to me right now or I'll literally fucking kill you. What the fuck is Arvo? What the fuck are azimuth points? Don't dumb it down, or I'll fucking kill you, Bitcoin <laughs> sign guy. What the fuck is Urbit?
1: What the fuck is Urbit? <laughs> Explain Urbit to me right fucking now. Urbit <laughs> is a—it's uh, a tent, man. What can I say? It's a tent. You bring it out into the wilderness. It unfolds, and then you live in it.
0: What do we talk about first? Why so many people hate it or why so many people like it?
1: <laughs> I think only Matt Odell hates Urbit.
0: <laughs> I don't know, man. I've seen a lot of haters on well, Matt, on the internet.
1: Matt Odell and there's some um, people like Glenn Weil. They they hate Urbit too. What is what is Glenn Weil like?
0: What, he's, he, is he like know. the he's, quadratic voting guy?
1: I think he's a kook. I'm not sure. Um like Vitalik's big fan of that guy, right? Probably. That would that would add up. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so
0: if you freaks sort are of to tell, I'm sitting down with Bitcoin Sign Guy again.
1: It's good to be back, freaks.
0: It's always good to be back. It's good to have you back at the holidays. We've got a nice Christmas tree over here. It yes, smells good.
1: M- yes, Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. How have you been? I've been well. What have you been doing? I have been up to many things, one of which is being the uh, <laughs> the Bitcoin ambassador at Urbit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what is the Bitcoin ambassador at Urbit, do?
1: It, well, it's to make a to make a loose marriage between Bitcoin and Urbit, since I think that they're two projects that can benefit each other in what, a lot of ways.
0: Why the fuck would Bitcoin want to engage in this marriage?
1: Why would Bitcoin want to engage in this marriage? Well, it's a little scary using Bitcoin, uh, and I say this as someone that is pretty much on the cutting edge of Bitcoin. You sort of have your balls in your throat every time you use a hardware wallet, every time you, uh, you know, manage your keys in, in any regard, it's, it's always a little scary. Uh, and so part of this is uh, that we don't really have a, an entire system that is hospitable to cryptographic assets. If you will so urbit is if just to back up a little bit urbit is a computer uh, a virtual machine that is functionally programmed and it essentially makes it very easy to run a personal server and essentially makes it very easy to have uh, data security over your digital life yeah
0: so it's bringing the storage and self-compute uh, dream that a lot of Bitcoiners have had for a while to the fore, it seems. I this is something that's uh, right. interested me for as long as I've been in Bitcoin, the concept of securing your own data and doing self-compute on your own machines and stuff like that. Right. Um, so. How is how is Erbit doing this? What the fuck is going on? Explain Erbit to me, dude.
1: I'll explain Erbit. So, to back way up, we have from the dawn of the personal computing revolution, uh, an idea that the internet would be this agora, a a forum where everyone would communicate peer-to-peer, and the computer would be a bicycle for the mind. Uh, And so we have this, I won't say utopian view of what the internet could be, but it's it's certainly a an ideal of of peer to peer networks where you do control your digital life and you you compute in a peer to peer fashion, and so it was originally thought that it was crazy that you'd even have a personal computer in the home, uh, and then now we're sort of in a in a place where everyone has a personal computer, but nobody has a a personal server in their home. Why? Because the Unix system is incredibly hard to just keep online. It's really hard to keep anything online in a self-hosted fashion, just because there's so many software dependencies. And what you're building on is an amalgamation of... You know 30 years of protocols and and layers so it's it's all been built up into this frankenstack and Erbit essentially uh, just abstracts all that away gives you a virtual machine that connects to its own network it has its own infrastructure nodes and uh, root servers for address space these are sometimes known as Uh, galaxies or stars but they're just don't let the jargon confuse you they're just uh the jargon sucks they're just they're just nodes they're just infrastructure nodes and so uh every and then every every end address on on the network is a computer a a functionally typed uh or strictly typed and functional computer uh that an individual controls with their own with their own networking keys. And so the goal here is to make it very easy for these people who have these computers to use peer to peer applications where they determine who gets to receive the the content that they're sending uh, without middlemen, without any intermediary that could otherwise abuse you. So right now, for example, Facebook, if you want to send a Facebook message to someone, you don't actually send them the Facebook message. You send Facebook the message, and then Facebook sends them the message. So Urbit is uh, something that will let you communicate directly to people and and not have to consider a middleman who might then you know give you a free service but abuse your privacy uh, serve you ads I mean the inter- the internet we've we've discussed this before like the internet is an absolute sewer of advertisements and trackers there were some hilarious memes on Twitter the other day where it was the steps to read an article online did you see that <laughs> it was nine steps is okay navigate to webpage. No accept the cookies then uh, turn down turn like, down the
0: su- subscribe to the newsletter yeah the
1: subscribe button the pop out ad uh, all the little pinches and pokes that the internet heaps upon you because ultimately you don't have you don't have the keys at the end of the day to your to your data on you know, Gmail, on Facebook, on Twitter, you don't have the keys. Um, and so, yeah, the analogy that you could make there is uh, Google, if, if a lot of our lives are on Google, right? Like Gmail, G Suite. So Google doesn't actually, if, if you consider that your house, you don't actually have the keys to that house. You have a secret knock that Google assigns to you and that's your password, right? Oh, I like that. So you don't actually if you wanted to just up and leave you don't own you don't own the house, you don't own the things inside of it. It's it's all on Google servers and until you can repatriate that data to a a server that you are in full control over, you will probably never have digital sovereignty. And so the the parallel with Bitcoin is we realized it was really, in, in many ways, Bitcoin has been driving this realization, is that a server is an implement of self-sovereignty. What is running a Bitcoin node? Running a Bitcoin node is running a server that serves the Bitcoin blockchain. And so when you actually own valuable information, uh, as opposed to just querying it and uh, existing, you know, operating on it in a client-only fashion uh, when it's owned by someone else, you know, it unlocks a greater possibility uh, frontier for for, I guess, human interaction online. Yeah.
0: <sighs> so let's get back to why.
1: Some people hate Erbit. Does Erbit have a blockchain? Erbit does not have a blockchain. Erbit has, as I said before, an address space, right? So let's talk a little bit about address spaces. We have one address space that most people use today, DNS, right? So websites, uh, you know, there are root servers for the domain name system that currently makes sure that there are is only one facebook.com that if you type in twitter.com you'll always get the website that's run by Jack Dorsey's company right so this domain name system i encourage your listeners i encourage the freaks to go back and read the history on this one the current domain name system is basically a Department of Defense project, uh, DARPANET, ARPA. And so y- you can go deep on that one. But the question is you know, how, how do you make a private alternative to the domain name system? How do you get an address space that people want to use and that wasn't, that didn't have such a a taint, uh, a, a tainted, a tainted genesis, and so, Urbit, said, okay, we're going to make our own address space, and the goal is to have a few features of the address space. One, you want basically any address to be like nearly as good as any other. So, for that reason, Urbit addresses actually mostly sound like quasi gibberish so for example my my urbit address is pinned at timmit and uh you know my friend logan he has takrit socrip so this
0: i'm a niswed hassler
1: there you go (laughs) (laughs) there you go um who else has a good one The, the coolest one is uh there's an urbit employee joe He's got Master Morzod, which is.
0: Getting a snow squall warning right now. Excuse s- me.
1: Snow squall warning. What are you getting that from the Urbit Weather app? No, it's coming straight from Tim Cook. Because <laughs> we have a weather app. You do? <laughs> yeah. Boss. <laughs> yeah, we have a weather app. And uh, in the next, in maybe in the mid spring, we'll have a sundial. Boss. <laughs> these are These are the cutting edge applications that you can use on well, orbit
0: before we get back to the but yeah yeah i have seen like the chat app too and that, it looks like oh, yeah really yeah. cool like um all right so back to the namespace why are these names weird why do I, why am i named niswed hassler
1: sure so it's basically to make a name that's human readable uh and human intelligible and memorable but that doesn't really promote premium address space like we think that premium address space is kind of it, it misplaces some incentives like just squatting on premium address yeah on premium addresses which is something that a mutual friend of ours loves to do oh yes he does <laughs> maybe this is why he doesn't like erbit <laughs> that may actually be the case <laughs> he's like oh my my uh my primo domain. my primo domain holdings are are going to be devalued uh, but then the other aspect of Urbit address space that I think is really m- more important is that it's scarce. Uh, so with, with IP addresses, you can have infinite IP addresses. And so all you need to do to spin up a botnet is just you know generate a lot of IP addresses with Urbit, because there's only approximately four billion addresses uh you deter those types of Sybil attacks where people what were, was that number four billion approximately four billion it's two to the 32 so it's like four and change uh but around there um so the the idea there is you you want it to be costly to uh acquire an urban address it doesn't need to be a lot of money it it shouldn't really ever be more than you know 10 bucks to to acquire a, a networking key uh but it should be positive it and you know not it should be non-zero and positive uh such that People can't just buy up tons of addresses and continue spamming you. Like the the reason why this is important is because actually a lot of the internet services that we currently use paper over the fact that there is, and I'll use the word again, just a, a complete sewer of you know content being being sent over over their system so twitter has massive botnets google uh has you you know very sophisticated machine learning uh algorithms to basically keep the spam that you get sent in your spam folder
0: yeah and we've been getting nicked on that on the newsletter
1: take a look take a look i encourage anyone who has gmail at least uh or or whatever your email client is. Go to your spam folder and see how much spam you get. And it's basically like you, you're living in a, a gypsum palace, you know, where there's a, a very th- thin sort of gilded veneer between you and just the pile of shit that, uh, that exists all around you. And so yeah the only reason why our why our internet experience is even workable is because of those sort of machine learning uh algorithms which which keep our uh which you know filter out spam Mm -hmm. very advanced spam filters but increasingly you know the only people that can design really good spam filters are people that have millions or billions of dollars and so that it, it further centralizes the, uh, the, the power to even provide internet services. So Urbit's alternative is, okay, if you have a scarce address space and it becomes uh, possible to associate reputation with an address because you have uh, you know, a limited number of them, it's costly to burn one um, by spamming. Uh, you can eventually create, you know, a, a system of online reputation that is that actually addresses the problem of, uh, you know, digital reputation rather than just sort of plastering over it.
0: Yeah. Let's. So let's try to hone this in and peel back the layers a little bit here. So going back to the address space. In my mind that's like the big contention of people is like the original uh distribution of those addresses let's talk about the launch of that and then um and then let's talk to mechanics of how this like all works like when you get an address what does that represent how do you build a reputation and then like are we really trying to build a whole new internet here is it possible
1: yes <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we definitely are trying to build a whole new internet, but this should have been clear from the moment we started with Bitcoin. Yes. So, you know, Bitcoin is uh you know, a new Well Urb- is older than Bitcoin, right? It it actually is, yes. So Urbit is is still it's an older project and it's a younger project. It's a more it's a more wide-ranging project than bitcoin you know bitcoin is a single network protocol whereas erbit is you know a, the a mathematical definition for a computer and you know then every other you know computer protocol that you want to have as well like a, a so, virtual machine a file system uh, a networking a networking protocol etc
0: so dissect that uh a phrase you just a mathematical deterministic computer or met ma- yes
1: yeah, so erb when i said earlier that Urbit is a functional computer if you're if uh, any of you freaks are into cs you'll know a functional computer is a computer that is defined in terms of a function so uh you have some functional programming languages like uh, Rust and Lisp and Haskell. Um, and basically what, I'll, I'll butcher this slightly, probably, so don't sue me. But essentially what this means is that the computer, the way that a computer updates, uh, you know, its state is in terms of a a function where, uh, you know, in calculus, when you can do You have f of x and then you have some function and then you have g of x and it's another function and you can also run like f of g of x so you can basically have a deterministic uh outlook on how a computer will interpret a a certain you know event or piece of data that you pass it and so this differs from Object-oriented programming, which is what you know our current computing paradigm is built around, which is more just like doing little, uh, you know, actions on the margin and trying to to nudge the state into into the direction you want it to go. It's not actually mathematically defined.
0: Yeah, that's pretty
1: crazy. Yeah. So, so by the way, like a, a fully functional computer, if you talk to CS folks like they'll say like it's pretty much the holy grail or like an idea so crazy it's like so few people have ever attempted it I think uh you know Temple OS is a (laughs) is a progenitor to in this regard if you want to go down that rabbit hole uh but it's it's certainly an ambitious an ambitious project um and then to to speak very briefly, you know, there's, Erbit has so many, uh, ways to discuss and, um, and explain. So, just very briefly, when I said that Erbit makes running a personal server very easy, the reason, the the core reason, is that because it's a computer that's defined in terms of a pure function, it can actually update itself. It has basically the instructions to itself so that it knows given uh, like a certain update known as an ota an over-the-air update it can basically keep itself running while it updates itself because it has the instructions on essentially how to do that and uh i i'm definitely transgressing your uh your (laughs) command to not dumb it down but i'll just (laughs) leave it at that Uh, Because because an URBIT computer can update itself, uh, uh, the URBIT developer community can actually update your computer for you and basically perform the tasks that would otherwise need to be performed by like a system administrator. So most large companies or schools, wherever, whenever you have, group of people online there's usually a system administrator that just works day and night to make sure that uh content is you know continues to be delivered and at the extreme end you have things like uh, you know the content delivery networks like cloudflare or youtube stuff like that where it all they do is you know pour millions upon millions of dollars into you know, developers who are trained to keep stuff online. Whereas Urbit, it really equalizes that because the computer is functional. It's like, okay, uh, it can run without you needing to know how to administrate it. Um, and so essentially that that's what lets it function as your server that is effortless, basically. And that and that lets you get on to like hosting your own data on peer to peer services. Okay,
0: so now Uh, let's jump.
1: We're sort of like jumping ahead, but uh, go ahead.
0: I was going to say, let's walk through the user experience. Like, let's walk through what you walked me through a few weeks ago. Like, what is actually happening? Like to help people conceptualize. I think actually a walkthrough of how people actually get on using Erbit may help people understand it better.
1: Sure. So if you've ever you know done something like Partition your drive and, you know, install a second operating system on your computer. That's sort of what installing Herbit is today. Uh, and when you do that today, uh, you know, Herbit runs as a virtual machine on your computer, and then you access it. Spins up your server and starts serving your Herbit and then to access it you go literally through your web browser and you connect to it that way because it is literally online your your web browser connects to it through like a local host port yeah uh in the future we we think that it will be in in the very near future and it's honestly shouldn't even call it the future like we're now at a point where uh, the hardware to host things is actually incredibly cheap, so Urbit, having someone host your Urbit for you uh, should be you know commodified, and so it should be very easy to uh, securely give someone your networking, uh, g- give someone the the responsibility to keep your Herbit network and so that's something that uh you know talon the company that's leading development on orbit is working on and several others
0: you sound like the trusted third parties are trying to get away from bro
1: in it would seem that way except for the fact that at any time you revoke their access to your computer and you can pull it down and put it up with anyone else so imagine if like it would never happen, it's like, but it's but, like Bitcoin mining pools. But if you could, if you could, you know, download your entire Google life, uh, and then give it to Microsoft, and they would know exactly what to do with it, and they could set you up all over again. Um, except, you know, they all have their own content fiefdoms, and it's not in their interest to do that, so that'll. That'll Probably never, never happen. happen. Will never happen. So the the way to do it is just make make the actual hardware service of like running the server just completely commodified. We and then if you are a cypherpunk, as I hope you would be, you, you know, it it won't actually be very it's not heavyweight at all. It's very lightweight. And if you want to run it yourself, you could easily get something like the cypherpunk boxes like the casa node or the nodal node something like that or around that degree of you know hardware heft and you could literally keep it online yourself just keep your node in a box plugged in yeah
0: the decision is there for you to do that if you want it Right. So it's still confusing. I'm still a little confused. I'm always confused with Herbit.
1: Sure. It, I mean, <laughs> it's um. Well, it say that I'm not confused. It, I mean, it's I, probably I, easiest to explain just by telling you the types of things you can do. Yes. So, Herbit messaging. Uh, it's literally peer-to-peer messaging. Your server talks directly to the server of the person that you're sending the message to. Uh, Herbit twitter uh which would be like our we're we're developing a micro threads app that will feel you know social media ish you know those erbit micro i don't want to call them tweets don't want to get uh, sued but those erbit messages posts would be herbs herbs <laughs> yeah all right that's it <laughs> We're going with herbs. Uh, your herbs will be. <laughs>
0: Yo, did you see what fucking PSG just herb did,
1: dude? dude. <laughs> Talking about herbs, man. Herbs, man. <laughs> what do you know about that morning ride? Give me the morning ride, yeah. <laughs> the morning herb, dude.
0: Uh, so we're gonna be herbing soon.
1: Your your herbs will be delivered to the if you want to consume someone else's herbs uh you know their their herbit will be the one to actually deliver those and to to your herbit
0: what message relay network are the so, messages being relayed over
1: so herbit has its own uh transport protocol it's called aims and it's end to end encrypted and yeah fully peer to peer uh though you can you can actually, so like I said, Urbit is an overlay network where sort of like how the internet was built on the backbone of telephone lines. Urbit basically is using the existing net infrastructure and sort of treating it in a, in a similar fashion. So you can actually use any, any network protocol that you want ultimately, uh, on your Urbit. So if you want to run your Erbit and send stuff over Tor, I mean, that's like sort of like wearing two condoms, but uh, it it Which, works in the same way.
0: Well, no, I would not use that analogy going forward. Using two condoms is a terrible idea because <laughs> friction breaks the condom and ruins the whole purpose. Yeah, I'm, I'm,
1: I'm kidding. Are you going to de-anonymize yourself <laughs> okay. if you run it through tour? Like, uh, you know, just wearing a... Wearing a uh, I'll, uh, I'll dial it back. Wearing a belt and suspenders. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> wearing a, wearing a, a,
0: cummer, a cummerbund and suspenders is a bad look. Very unnecessary.
1: No, not a cummerbund. You can wear cummerbund and suspenders, sir.
0: Oh, yeah, excuse me, belt.
1: A belt. A belt.
0: Yeah. My bad. I'm sorry. I'm not up to. Your you have spine. to post your prom pics now. <laughs> oh my god, my prom pics.
1: Yeah, that's it. That's what you get. I have to find
0: them. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up, Marine and Christina. Lovely ladies. Um, what? Uh, all right. So I have a planet. Yeah. Let's, let's walk. And,
1: and and once again, uh, you know, I have a here nerd. at Urbit because we're reinventing the internet we make a lot of jargon to just put ourselves in the mindset that we've re, <laughs> to keep us in that mindset that we've reinvented things. But a planet is synonymous with an orbit. Mm-hmm. your orbit operating system, your, yeah. your particular orbit instance. Mm-hmm. So my orbit instance,
0: when I downloaded it, when I set it up, when I got, set it up, when I set it up, uh, got my name, uh, it was an unfortunate day for me to set up my Urbit apparently. I set up my oh, my urban yes. the day of the breach. Yes, that's correct. But uh, if the breach was not going on, I had to first check in with a dude named Zod.
1: That's correct. So Zod is a a, a root server on uh, the urban network. Its address is zero. It's sort of the first the first galaxy or root server, if you will. The, the and it's, it's analog to the current internet. is like a, a DNS root server, essentially.
0: When we last met, I really, I really just had like a huge Merkle tree envision in my head of how this data moves around. So a planet is lower on the totem pool than
1: Zod, which is a star. Zod is a galaxy. So it's okay. it goes galaxy, aka root node at the top. And then intermediate step are the infrastructure nodes, which are stars, think of those as you know isps and then at the lowest level you have individual addresses which is aka planets which is what i'm interacting with which is what you have uh but to to get acquainted with the network you are introduced to other addresses through through the root nodes yeah so zod is just one root node, right there's many Zod is one of two hundred and fifty six okay root nodes and, two to the eight and then so I think
0: each star has a number of planets under it, and then those stars communicate excuse me, those planets communicate with their stars. those nodes communicate with the root
1: right so root what, servers so what you're trying to do is find what those what those servers are meant for is to help you find the ip address of the planet or individual orbit that you're looking to contact and so they it's designed in in that three-stage tree fashion because just algorithmically if you try to uh have you ever seen those sorting algorithms where it's like? We
0: please change it to nodes, root servers, and what? Else? The plan's shit, just too confusing. <laughs> Can we make I mean, an official, Herbit it, it, team? It,
1: it, it's it's a point well taken. <laughs> it's a point well taken. See, I, i've I've gone through the full I've gone through the full arc of this where, you, when you when you originally find Herbit, you know it is too confusing and you don't like the jargon, and then eventually, once you're once you fully get it, it's like okay, very cool, like everything on this system has its own, you know, fun little pet name, but yes, your, your, your point is well taken, but so moving back to pure discovery, when you have those, uh, you know, those sorting algorithms, have you ever seen those, uh, YouTube videos of, it's like 20 different ways where they're sorting those little color bands and you see the algorithm moving back and forth and putting things in order. Mm -hmm. So, it's sort of like you have these algorithms to find things. Um, And so one way you could do it is a planet just starts going through all 4 billion addresses. Like, okay, where is the, where's the one I'm looking for? But it's actually much faster if you do it in a tree model where you go up a level, ask that sponsor if they know where it is. And if they don't know where it is, you ask, the other, you ask the the root node sponsors, like the highest level, and then you go up the tree and down the tree. So th- that's simply just meant for efficiency. Could this be coordinated in meet space too? Like if two people... Uh, like if you just told me your
0: name, like why would I have to find you? I have to find you to open up a communications channel. Right, because you,
1: you... Yes, because for the initial contact, you need to find out what IP address they're under. Okay. And so the The point of that is uh, just to just to encounter someone the first time and then after that it's peer-to-peer communication so that that's why we have these these infrastructure nodes um, but then after that it, it's really a fully peer-to-peer experience. so you have whatever application you're running, it is literally served from your from your computer, and it's received uh, on the other side from your friend's computer, and you can do whatever you want. You know, chat, uh, blog back and forth. Uh, In the future, we are building, or not in the future, currently, we're building uh, the beginnings of payment protocols for Urbit, so you can pay someone, uh, in their hosted web store so you want peer-to-peer fashion and then this is to go fully back like this is where bitcoin comes back in
0: maybe that's the urbit's first killer app is a block explorer for people who don't want uh the browsers doxing their addresses
1: i mean absolutely absolutely um so when when i joked that i was you know the bitcoin ambassador at urbit my my core insight is really just that a computer a, a very sound computer you know what do you want to be able to do with it well obviously engage in digital commerce and then simultaneously a very sound money uh you know deserves a computer like that and it's it's it will be a better user experience to use uh, you know, at least for your hot wallet, you know, something, a system like Urbit versus, you know, plugging in a a hardware wallet or, you know, trusting some custodial, some custodial uh, solution or, or just having regular nodes, but having them on a computer that has many dependencies itself. Yeah.
0: So fascinating. Where does Hoon come into all of this?
1: Hoon is the language that Urbit's the Urbit operating system is written in. So it's a it's a functional uh, a functional and strictly typed uh, programming language that you can actually learn to uh, to code for free if you want to go to Hoon School. Hoon School is a six-week course that. Talon offers that is actually hosted on Erbit, the classroom is an Erbit chat room. And you basically learn the basics of the language. So for someone like me who had basically zero prior coding experience, I basically didn't have any, I didn't have any priors to unlearn. Um, and so I've, I've been doing pretty well with it. Um, some people who are already, you know, advanced programmers, they, They will recognize that the syntax is substantially different, and there's a lot to relearn about how a computer defines itself. But uh, eventually, when you can get through that, uh, it's actually orders of magnitude easier to develop applications in Hoon because it's it's a functional language. It's just so much more powerful, uh, and then the the strictly typed aspect is you know you don't have you know how other urbits will uh, interpret the information that you're giving them. So it's it it's much easy it's much easier for uh, a small team to make something that seems world class, um, whereas. You know, literally, I I use the YouTube example. YouTube needs thousands of people developing round the clock to just make YouTube work. Uh, But on Urbit, you know, you could do it with many orders of magnitude less uh, developer resources.
0: So Urbit's out to take all of our jobs?
1: Urbit is out to pretty much blast a hole in the current internet and just completely. Uh, completely just ah, take over the world. I mean, <laughs> I I I say that glibly, but actually the the name Talon, the Talon Corporation, which is has been spearheading development on Urbit, is a reference to a Borges novel where there's basically a parallel world that exists basically under the nose of the official world, official culture, uh, and they they go unnoticed for so long until one day it's you know the realization like oh my gosh like this whole parallel internet is all around us this is very much how i think the world will see bitcoin uh they'll try to they'll sort of be blindsided by the degree to which it's developed one day and at that point, it would be sort of too too late, too rhizomatic to stop or rupture.
0: Why is there so much contention between Bitcoin developers that I've spoken to? And just anecdotally, it seems like there's a split between developers. Do you think it's because uh, of the need to relearn a lot of the syntax for the language? Do you think they think there's something structurally wrong with the way Urbit's?
1: Well, it's... Uh, I would say... Like I've had people scold me for even like looking into Urbit. Right, sure. I think that the objection there are, there are some objections which are pretty fair I would say which is okay Urbit is super iconoclastic it basically throws everything away and starts from scratch and while linux may be a a bugbear to uh you know literally debug and keep online if you're running a server Uh, at least it all of its we we have pretty good history on you know figuring out where where it fails we we understand uh that we, we understand the limitations of the system very well and it's just been uh it's had the kinks sort of ironed out of it for for many many years so it's it's lindy you could say uh whereas urbit says okay yes that has been the case but it's still nowhere close to where we need to be uh, and it will never get there for where we need to be to give people the ability to run their own servers i think a good tell that urbit's version of this is correct is that i'm a pretty technically motivated person i like bitcoin i have my own node uh I, where I, where I can take ownership of my digital life, I, I do, but literally running an email server, too difficult for me. Like, and it's not just me, like Bitcoiners across the spectrum have, you know, Gmail accounts. Why is that? If you're like such a big and bad cypherpunk, why are you using Gmail? Why don't you run your own email server? The answer is it's literally just too hard. Even, even for all that we, even for as good as we've gotten with Linux and Unix, it's we're still not good enough um, to be able to keep these services online for ourselves. And you
0: also argue that they never will be serviceable for that use case either.
1: So, sorry, repeat that. They never will be able to
0: keep our computers online at all times, right?
1: Probably not without studying system administration. Yeah. and and so if you want to if you want to if you accept that uh then you basically have no choice uh but to but to make a clean slate system that that completely starts over uh and and gives itself no no limitation on uh on how it can optimize things. Thank you for speaking to an empty chair there for
0: 15 seconds, but I was listening. So <laughs> do we really fuck up the internet that the first time around that bad? Like, internet, is it that bad?
1: It, it's, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. I mean, there's, but you know, it's almost like a, I can tell you this, but you don't have to take it from me. Take it from almost, you know, any, any uh, Silicon Valley type that that understands you know computers well, and they'll tell you, that, yeah, the internet is pretty pretty messed up. Uh, it's I think the word I used before is Frankenstack. It's just an amalgamation of thirty years of code, and uh, it's gotten to a point where it's none of it was written with or as because we have thirty years worth of code, much of it was written without knowledge of the other parts of it. And we're now at a point where we can actually render it all down, uh and, you know, boil it down and simplify it tremendously uh into a much smaller and sleeker package. So Urbit is uh only fifty thousand lines of code. Uh Unix is something like 50 million lines of code holy crap
0: that was actually a, a cool story i believe logan told it when you guys were on nick's podcast nick Carter's podcast on the brink about the dude who wrote unix did it in like a, a two-week span of just like a, a fever dream or something like that
1: well t- to be fair all you know all, perhaps all computers are born this way since you know uh the founder of Urbit, curtis also worked on Urbit in a similar fashion it was basically like his research project for many for many years okay definitely longer than two weeks but you know he worked out Knock, which is the the mathematical rules of that, that define URBIT that make URBIT URBIT and so he he set those down pretty much on his own at first they've been slightly revised but uh that's that's the basic story yeah
0: um and, well yeah and the, the dude wrote it in like a two week fever pitch but then it's been obviously been uh added to and, and developed on for the last 3 decades but um it's just interesting to see some some man's two week uh, that story that Logan told uh, it was just fascinating to hear that one man's two-week sprint can lead to a system that we built like an entire internet stack right on top of sure
1: yes i mean p- perhaps this is always the way i mean how how much premeditation did satoshi give the bitcoin code or whatever but uh, i guess the point I, i'm making is we're now at a point where we know what we want to do with a personal computer we have the benefit of uh, retrospect and we can look and say okay this is people want to have uh, you know group file sharing they want to share videos and messages with their friends online they want to stream some content they want to uh, you know have a text editor blah 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 like we we, we basically know what the personal computer can do, and what people want it to do. Uh, and now we can basically make it, we can basically hone it as a tool, and just make it something that is far more slim, and primarily also that something that does not abuse you. So because we live in this, because we live as serfs on the cloud servers of Google, and Facebook, and Apple, basically they they make the rules and many of their services are free so they have to monetize them by you know doing things like selling your data inundating you with advertisements etc and generally just designing their applications to keep you hooked on using their applications since time is time is money uh for these people the Integral of the time that you spend using the app is is equal to their to their profit uh, Usually in, in most cases For Twi- with twitter, for example, um, so You don't get a The developers that create these applications They don't Design them with respect for the user's time uh, and so that's why you get things like the little red bubbles that pop up, uh, to be a, to serve as like a dopamine vending machine to keep you perpetually hooked on using their apps.
0: Speaking about being respectful of time. Do I need to be respectful of yours right now?
1: No, not at all. Okay. We're good. I, I sent them an email. <laughs> okay. Sorry about that.
0: <laughs> BSG you. was here and I had, hop, I, hop, I had to hop on a, a call for my, for my full-time job. <laughs> Sorry for making you wait for the
1: day job. Yeah, Bitcoin is my day job. <sighs> it's a fun one. It's a, it's a great, it's a great uh line of work. It seems I mean, old Marty's in.
0: It seems like a heavy lift, dude. Heavy lift. A very heavy lift. Did so you, we'll, can I get some network stats on Urbit right now? Like how many people are using it? Can uh, you tell how many people are downloading it?
1: Around, around, five thousand. that's my estimate it's definitely rough um but we are now it's finally really ready to be used with anything that looks like a you know a a normal user interface um i mean we've we've had a we've had a, a user interface for a little while but before that it was really just command line um but now in January, we're launching OS1, which is basically, it, it has all of the uh, like first applications of Urbit and in a package that works well together. So this includes, uh, you know, the weather app, as I mentioned, but also stuff like chat, uh, blogging. Um, it will have... Uh, there um, bitcoin oh, node like, too right an, uh, no so the bitcoin node that's sort of a parallel project but it will probably be around for os2 uh, which will have payments and that's actually just coming a few months later um, so yeah the the bitcoin roadmap for erbit is develop a bitcoin node controller um so you can remote control uh you know a bitcoin node from your urbit uh using the json rpc api then we'll have a bitcoin wallet on urbit Erbit has its own key store by the way it's called jail uh and it's think of it like a like a desktop wallet that's just built into the actual like uh kernel of urbit uh
0: and that can hold any private key
1: yeah, any 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 type. Any, any secret you want. Mm-hmm. I mean, love letter to your to your mistress, I know uh, the mistress, <laughs> or whatever. Uh, whatever whatever secret you want to store in there, it will it will keep it secure. Uh, and but then um, so yeah, Bitcoin node controller, then Bitcoin wallet, then. Uh, probably something like an atomic swap so that you can trade Bitcoin directly for an Erbit address um, and then you know I, I'm a huge fan of BTC pay server as you guys know uh, so I'd love to see there be some type of Erbit storefront where you can host a little micro store on Erbit sell your thing um, we're developing after the Bitcoin node is done, we'll do a Lightning node API, and then the the ultimate project is not to just, uh, you know, control these nodes remotely, but to see if we can bring them actually into the Orbit kernel themselves. And so have have that would be a much larger project, obviously, because you'd have to know write a bitcoin node in hoon um which is a huge undertaking uh so that will be a little while but that if if urbit works out and everyone's using it um you know we'll have perhaps people that that can't take on a, a task of that magnitude um and then it it will be just super happy you'll have your your personal server will also just serve the Bitcoin blockchain, um, and you know you can have your financial sovereignty thereof. Yeah. So how does this
0: differ from Blockstack models? So you describing OS one just reminded me of Blockstack and, sure. and their sort of web page. When you first open it up, it has all the bricks of the docs that you can work on. Right. They obviously have a token.
1: Um, right. Yeah. So pr- yeah, that's. One large difference is yes, Blockstack has a token. Erbit does not have a token. Um, I mean, some people would say, "Oh, but the the address is a token." Not really. I mean, it's a it's an address. Um, this may be shocking to some Bitcoiners, but I personally believe that there are categories of digital property that are not Bitcoin, but that still are valid. Erbit addresses are one of those few gasp uh, but you know it's it's not trying to be money is the the only thing i could say is you know we're uh we're not looking to you know make it some well that's, some a, that's the thing that a m- monetized thing
0: well exactly so how does urban not just turn some secondary market for this address space like is you know, people trying to bid it up
1: sure uh well for one urban addresses are non-fungible so it's more like land if you will and then as urban addresses get used you know individual addresses will actually gather reputation so if you know if you bought an address from someone That just used that address to try to scam someone you know don't be surprised like you know if someone doesn't want to connect with you or if if that address got uh, put on some blacklist
0: so what happens when you exchange addresses like does the new owner of the address get to see everything the last owner of the address did with it
1: uh no no it's just that uh you
0: plug it into the erbit that's downloaded on your computer and then you create
1: yes I,
0: a reputation based on that in your
1: personal view you know that's probably a question best put to urbit devs themselves but I would say my sense would be it's the the ID system the or the address system is really just a uh, a registry of who's currently living at what IP address um, and so it's really just like oh, if you mur- if you move into a murderer's old house, you know, it's uh, it's got a little taint. It's got it's got it's definitely got a little taint, got but a little it's stench. It's still uh, it still has it still works walls as a house. Roof. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so so that's the that's the story there. It's like oh, you bought OJ's ID. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but
0: uh, well, like, and then how it's so like, do you see? Like Urbit being heavily driven by NIMS. Like, uh, yeah, so obviously, all the like nobody's going to be able to put their full name in, but like, will people on other like in Meat Space identify themselves? Well, we already have, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but will that be common practice or will it be?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think that I think that people, this is my personal prediction. I think that some people will have a. They'll both be Nims, but one they will freely associate with their name. So if you're a, a public figure, you know you'll have uh, you'll run your social media off of one Herbit. But then if you if when you have uh, you know things that you want to keep private and totally unassociated, it it wouldn't be crazy to get you know a second Herbit that you use for your truly you know private. Financial history, that that type of thing.
0: Does the uh, limitation of dom- domain names in the four bill range limit the amount of users over time?
1: Uh, so, yeah, like I said, there's there's four billion addresses currently, approximately, slightly more, um, and that's actually currently there's more urban addresses than there are people that even use the internet. Um, but then, also many people. So, for example, a family could share the same urban address um, because it's not actually one. It's it's not actually one uh, device per address. It's you, you can you can access the same address with you know thousands of devices. So, you know, mom and dad might have an address and give all their kids. Uh, whatever smartphones tablets and those kids could network under that
0: <laughs> i'm just thinking: Is those kids ruining their parents reputation
1: yeah well perhaps perhaps urbit raises some interesting questions about responsible parenting in the uh, in the digital age um we, we can leave it at that but uh it <laughs> it's uh in, in the future, it it may it may be brought up.
0: Yeah, it's fascinating. Fascinating. What what is the world going to be like? You are going to punch a hole in the internet, and then does this bring a real to an end to the hyper I've been wanting to talk to you <laughs> about the state of the hyper real. Well, today.
1: Yeah, I think that perhaps there is a there is a, a somewhat of a state of hyper reality where yeah you have. St- stuff like google cloud and oh look how computery this is but it's not really it's not really a computer that you actually can uh you know transport trans transplant or own in any real sense so yeah that would that would certainly be a hope uh urbit's design if you've ever seen urbit running it's very minimalistic and uh very much inspired by the CEO of Talon Galen um, who was an architect and designer sort of by trade so it definitely skews a lot of the uh, a lot of the window dressing of our current online systems um, it doesn't try to be a fun house of You know, tricks here and there. It's really just like a basic set of of uh, of tools. And
0: how do you? What's your ideal adoption scenario looking like? Do you see people coming, uh, more people coming and experimenting with it after OS one? You think there will be a cascade as uh, Bitcoin price rises and people get freaked out that they need to uh, secure their keys on a computer that they have custody of
1: yeah so i it's it's funny we actually were talking about this uh, the other day that we do think that the bitcoin price is actually one of the inputs for the equation of orbit success so we definitely acknowledge that our fate is in in some ways linked to uh you know Bitcoin itself, uh, because you know, money is perhaps the most, uh, the most precious form of digital sovereignty. Uh, you know, it's your digital property. How could you participate in, you know, public w- if you don't have you know secure property? So this is this is definitely fundamental to our thinking on uh, on what the the computing experience should be in the 21st century. Uh, but yeah, then there are other services as well. Uh, you know, the the social media ones, the microblogging, uh, having a group desktop. So a, a secret uh, ambition or not so secret ambition of verbit is to replace basically all productivity suites with just one thing. Um, And Urbit, because it's open source, it's basically very, uh, I don't want to use the word malleable since that has negative connotations (laughs) like Segwit, but it's versatile. It's versatile. It is plastic in the ways you would want it to be plastic, where if you want to make some interesting feature for your uh, company, say you have some something that you want it should be very easy for you to uh for you to put an addition on just like sort of you know putting an addition on a house or or renovating anything
0: so you're saying like somebody who wants to develop a complex ma- model of their business cash flow or whatever and needs to go to excel at a bunch of different things can use herbit yeah
1: way? B- basically just any tool you want to build it should be very just easy to build that on Erbit, for Erbit, and use it in a secure fashion that is, of you know, owned in a, in a secure way as well.
0: And Hoon makes that possible, right? You're building all this in Hoon.
1: Hoon makes that possible. Knock the definition of Erbit, makes that possible. Uh, and then when you take into account the peer-to-peer network of bit it makes it it's it's an it's a thing that's inhospitable to third parties that would try to estrange you from that from that uh you know paradigm yeah they're trying to deterritorialize you don't let them
0: <laughs> what do you mean by that dive in
1: oh well, the, well that's Deleuze, of course that's the that's the meme you started i know by. i know is uh you know, you want, you want to, uh, you know, keep things in, uh, keep things in a context that are coherent to you. And uh, instead, you know, we're, we're all, when we start using computers, we're all whisked away into someone else's world. And our, our digital lives are taken out of context. And put into g suite and put into slack and put into you know a myriad of applications um instead erbit and in each of those applications they have their own incentives for you know user behavior that that type of thing erbit does not try to program you you program erbit oh oh run with that line i mean that, Run with that, that line. That, that's that's literally uh, that's literally it. I mean, Erbit. When I say it's like a basic tool, like just raw sort of compute, uh, that's that's what you would want from a computer that that serves you rather than serving some, you know, S and P five hundred company, which is trying to extract value from you. What so. The f- Sorry. A good, a good, uh, a good anecdote is uh, when you go to Amazon.com, you're given hundreds of advertisements for things that companies are trying to sell you, based on information that Google sold to Amazon, that then sold to those companies. Right? Imagine if, if you so desired. You had an AI that instead of, uh, you know, instead of giving away information about your preferences to those companies, what if you told this AI your preferences? What if you said, I like well-made shoes and your AI, your personal AI went out and said, yes, master, I have found you the best pair of shoes. Uh, And you could say, oh, thank you, Jeeves. And <laughs> it would be like your personal butler, you know what I mean. But the the point is that it works on your behalf, um, and not, and not the behalf of some mega corporation. Yeah, it's
0: not the mega corporation going, hey, we know this idiot likes shoes, so we're gonna put them in front of him, it's saying, hey, I want some shoes, put them in front of me, please.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. It's it's not to, it's not to say that we shouldn't be using computers. It's to say let computers work for users let uh let them also be simple i'm a big fan of keep
0: it simple stupid
1: erb is definitely the keep it simple stupid computer uh,
0: uh it may be the pitch we got to get it down to keep it simple stupid <laughs> <laughs> layers we,
1: this has been workshopped as ad nauseum
0: um this is workshopping right now the,
1: the let's see what are the other ones like uh Herbit. It's an actual cloud computer, dude. <laughs> <laughs> that's,
0: that's a funny thing. Like, a lot of people hear cloud computing and most people, unfortunately, honestly believe that a lot of this stuff is stored in space somewhere, um, but it's actually on the ground in some warehouses on s- right. hardware that's run by these corporations. Yeah,
1: it's there. It, there is hardware that stores all of your emails out there. And so, but the the rub is that that hardware is actually not that expensive. Not Hillary's. <laughs> the hardware is not that expensive. So why can't, why aren't you running your email server? It's just the software. It's too hard. It's the software. Urban is, is better
0: Simplifying software.
1: the software. Better software. All right. Um, so yeah, at this point, I want to think, you know, I, I should probably address something that Bitcoiners, if they've listened up to this point, um are probably thinking about um which is if you know much about the erbit address space you know that its registry is currently on ethereum so i just want to give my uh assurances to bitcoiners that erbit is in no way wedded specifically to ethereum using it was basically a pragmatic choice for a public key infrastructure or pki in uh twenty sixteen. Uh and it it basically accomplished the bare minimum uh number of uh operations that were needed to actually coordinate the address space. So in the future it doesn't have to stay on Ethereum. It can move to a, a self-hosted model, uh it could move to like a side chain of Bitcoin if all of the root nodes wanted to federate or something but the point is that uh i i take the ethereum the i take the aversion to ethereum's you know seriously because i think that the system does have uh many flaws i agree are you guys like susceptible to ethereum uh
0: with like it would they, like is this if, like, is if, this, it's, is if this
1: this ethereum went into the lurch we could take we could basically d de- went into the lurch into the lurch like uh you know uh if ethereum starts uh if if shit starts you know pieces start falling off ethereum uh we could we could kill switch absolutely stuff. take our uh orbit address space off of ethereum
0: like is this is this Ice Age affecting Urbit right now? Like now that
1: Oh uh, I don't know what the Ice Age is.
0: Like Ethereum blocks are coming in slower because those idiots oh, put in I a see. difficulty bomb. Um
1: I I'm not sure the degree to which that's affected Urbit. Mm-hmm. I mean it seems to still be functioning fine, but the bottom line is that uh there's many ways to uh there's many ways to host an address registry right uh one of them is as you know a token on ethereum there's there's many other ways that we could come up with but the the reason why uh it went that way was basically because erbit is such an ambitious project already you know reinventing so many aspects of you know a computer's kernel that if it, it was sort of a distraction to say, okay, yeah, let's also solve the Byzantine Generals problem. Like other people were already working on that, coming to, you know, distributed consensus. And so uh, at the time, Ethereum was, you know, a, an MVP. I think Curtis and Galen were like, yeah, uh, Ethereum is a dumpster fire. I think they literally used that, that term. And so it's basically like an MVP. Um, and so in the future when the the dust of the blockchain wars settle, I'm sure there will be uh you know, a good a good uh like long term home for Urbit.
0: I hope it finds that long term home. I'm like in my new home as Niswed uh Niswed Hasler. Hasler. Yes. Yeah, there you go. Niswed Hasler. I still need to connect with Zod. I have not done it since the breach was going on.
1: Oh yes. Yes. Yeah, so the the network has been uh, everything's uh, everything's back up and running. Th- those breaches, by the way, are just uh, there. There will come a day um, when those breaches n- no longer happen. And a breach is basically an upgrade. Uh, yeah, a, a breach is basically like a like a fork where the network just has to go off for a day. And s- but we we will literally get to a point where we commit. Like there will never be. Another breach. Erbit has a Kelvin versioning scheme. Um, so, in the future, w- we will have uh, a versioning scheme that counts down. So every time we we upgrade Erbit, you shed a you shed a version, and it tends towards ossification, ex- ossification, and sort of extreme conservatism with the way the way the the system is upgraded
0: fascinating it's fascinating stuff are we calling you by your real name now have you docked yourself initially?
1: uh i sort of i mean i'll i'll continue to go by christian okay um but that's uh that's you're uh,
0: about you're gonna drop bitcoin sign guy for for a Christian, I no, mean, for Bitcoin ambassador to Urbit. Like oh, you're no. becoming the Urbit guy. Uh, you're not uh, Bitcoin Sign Guy anymore to some people. You're just the Urbit guy.
1: Yeah, man. Man, maybe maybe I'm just like a Are you uh, killing yourself? Maybe I'm just a <laughs> I, I can just hear Matt Odell yelling, like, sell out. <laughs> no, I I specifically I'll, I'll tell I'll tell you what. Like, I specifically am interested in herbit because I am uh, my patriotism because of my patriotism to bitcoin. So if you and this is uh this is going all the way back to you know Tim May and his original blueprint for crypto anarchy. Maybe you know his email signature that he, you know, had, but it basically starts with encryption and then it goes digital money, but then it doesn't stop there. You know, bitcoin is excellent and it works very well but it's barely uh you know halfway there on the on the road to uh you know crypto anarchy or just any anything that permits uh you know alternative non-state cybernetics so one one or two two points further down that email signature are uh digital pseudonyms and reputations, reputations being built on top of digital pseudonyms. And so that's that's what URBIT uh, addresses are. And that's the the basis for my interest in the project is like, what will be the best digital pseudonym that we could come up with? It's not gonna be website names, obviously. And it's not going to be civic tokens, or anything. <laughs> what are you talking about? Man? Or any, or anything rent seeking. I don't think it will be blockstack IDs with their, uh, with their, uh, you know, blockstack token. Stacks. And uh, it won't be. You know, I know that there are people working on other decentralized ID things. I know that there's some people trying to sign sign in with lightning um, trying to use bitcoin utxos but i think that the most viable option for decentralized ids is with a functional computer that actually exists on a network with a very tight specification and so this is this is essentially what i think um, is crucial erbit and Bitcoin can basically marry sound digital money with sound digital reputation, such that you can have markets that have non-state cybernetics. You can have you know information feedback about who the bad actors are without using uh, you know, the system of and any apparatus of the state. And so this is this is what I find most inspiring about about URBIT.
0: I don't think anybody can claim that your intentions aren't pure. No, I agree, man. I mean, it's a, like I said, like I was fascinated by Blockstack before they had the token. I um, was always fascinated when Andrew DeSantis was talking about that Dios stuff back in the day. Um, turned out to be nothing but URBIT. To me again, this is a subject I've been fascinated about for like four or five years now, and it seems like Urbit to me at least has uh the most viable uh path forward um, yes, the most realistic path forward I would imagine
1: well we we uh we don't want any freaks to have to take our word for it so my uh my recommendation and offer actually is um, we have a surprise for all the freaks. Uh, I have um, a large amount of uh, Urbit addresses. Um, And if you would like, we could give one to every freak, basically for free, let them tinker around with Urbit, kick the tires, uh, free sample, try not buy. um so if if you guys want to to try um i don't know if marty if marty will go for it we have we have plenty of uh, address space to share hey
0: i'm open to this if any of you freaks out there just curious one experiment one experiment to tell people it's bad i'm yeah, fine with that whatever
1: like any 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 feedback is uh is appreciated especially since you know the we're we're still very much like ironing the kinks out so to Increasing the the users, it, you provide us with good feature or er, with good feedback on how to improve Erbit. Um, you can also get involved directly. Uh, I'm managing some people that are creating the Bitcoin uh, capabilities of Urbit now, and so if you want to get in on this and you know eventually build something like a peer-to-peer Bitcoin exchange on Erbit or uh you know a bitcoin marketplace like this is really this is really the time to to start uh connecting Koonin. all of these uh crypto anarchic primitives together into a, a really full featured system
0: a gordian knot if you will
1: <laughs> you can you can cut the cut the knot uh um, that a bad so,
0: was that your? i mean you're a salesman was that a bad analogy there you're maybe. a sale, sailor <laughs> oh a me.
1: sailor yeah um Gordian knot. What the only way to untie it is to cut it. Uh, I mean, perhaps you could say the go- perhaps you could say the Gordian knot is, uh, you know, the surveillance apparatuses of the state. The only way to escape them is to just completely sever contact and develop an alternative system of cybernetics. Uh, to you know KYC AML that will give you that call it the circular Bitcoin economy you know a Bitcoin economy that uh, can be self-sustaining and self-regulating uh, and so that's that's the hope is that with attestations f- from urban addresses to other urban addresses regarding bit- previous Bitcoin transactions between urban addresses, you can actually develop uh, a sound picture of, you know, who is trustworthy? Who do you want to, uh, who would you trust to send, uh, you know, a Bitcoin online um, for services? And you can, once you can start solving these questions without resorting to, okay, well, we're just going to collect their driver's license and, uh, you know, send the cops after them if they, if they aren't uh, behaving, you know, this is uh this puts us much closer to i guess the the vision of uh you know crypto anarchy if you will no i
0: agree and if i have any feedback for you is that i believe the pitch is getting better (laughs) thank you believe it or not Uh, i'm I'm hard on you throughout this interview because i want the pitch to be better because i do like i agree with you i think we do need to close the the loop of these cypherpunk tools and I know Urbit gets a lot of shit for being a "quote unquote" shitcoin. I honestly do not believe Urbit's a shitcoin. Um, I don't. I, I don't understand it fully enough to give it a full blessing. Dude,
1: your uh, your uh, driver's license definitely a shitcoin. Passport shitcoin. Car registration shitcoin. Shit Diploma shitcoin. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know e- everything. Everything is a shitcoin. But I, I think.
0: Mean, but I think getting like for a message to the freaks out there, especially a lot of you listening, might be getting angry because we're talking about Arabic. Because some people perceive that it's a shitcoin. You can't put blockers on.
1: Absolutely, like, absolutely. So that that's why I say, you know, I it's for for you to judge whether this is a valid category of digital property. I personally think it is. I don't think that. Uh, I I think that we truly do need this. This type of thing. Um, I I wouldn't want to, you know, run a non-KYC marketplace without, you know, some system that was robust in this way.
0: Yeah. Well,
1: fascinating
0: stuff. Thank you for coming by and explaining that to us.
1: Thank you for having me. It, a oh. pleasure as always.
0: Well, we're not done yet here. What's going on outside of Urbit? That's interesting. Yeah. Outside of Urbit? What do you think of the state of the oh, world hey, right look, now? It's snowing. We got that snow squall here.
1: We got that snow. Um,
0: Are you worried about the state of the world? Are you optimistic?
1: Well, let's see. We have, I mean, it's impossible to really get off topic because <laughs> we have the um, the central bank digital currency spec that the ECB came out with, where basically they say uh, they have. Did you see the? It's like the privacy bucks you get vouchers i haven't read it yet so so the way it works is uh the way it works is they have uh vouchers you have the central bank the ecb euro the digital euro and you it's kyc automatically unless you spend one of your anonymity vouchers on it so apparently like what the fuck so it's basically like them slipping the mask that like the that privacy comes from anywhere but the you know the the, the grant of the government it also is sort of a tacit admission that the uh that there are more laws than can reasonably actually be enforced which you know we've sort of known on about like over legislation for a long time, but it's it's sort of a, a very concrete admission of that, and so you know this uh, the the strictures are getting tighter. We are, time is time is of the essence. Hurry up!
0: It really it really does feel like it is though. Uh, yeah, I mean, fortunately, increasingly so.
1: Fortunately, these the governments are inept, and it will take them several years before these systems are in place. But, you know, even in Bitcoin time, like several years is n- not long. Um, I think the Bitcoin and Urbit will be definitely much farther along in like two, three years. But I mean, it, it's definitely shaping up to be the, the conflict of a, of a lifetime.
0: Yeah, like we were talking about what's going down in Virginia right now.
1: Oh yeah, the boog kicking off.
0: Well, it's it's honestly scary. Like, I uh, so Virginia in the last elections last month they went Democrat, and the governor's trying to instill strict gun control laws specifically against assault rifles. And uh, a bunch of the counties within Virginia, the local sheriff's departments are coming out against the law and saying that they're going to hire deputies. And then the state is countering that with like, if you don't abide by the law, we'll send the National Guard into your township. Yeah. It's fucked.
1: I mean, the only reason the government would want to disarm you after 243 years of you having the right to bear arms is because they intend to do something that you would shoot them for. (laughs) (laughs) They're trying. They're going to try and take everybody's guns. They, They definitely are. So yeah, that's.
0: Is that a bad thing?
1: is it a bad thing that they're trying to take our yeah, guns yeah man I mean, guns
0: kill people bro <laughs> uh it,
1: i i think i've had it only in like m- the marxian terms like heightening of the contradictions it's only it's only bad if you don't want to force the issue <laughs> um i mean apparently they're going to fuck around and find out <laughs>
0: yeah i mean it seems like there might be like I mean, and I've only read a few articles and seen a, a couple of YouTube videos, but like the thing that scares me the most is the fact that sheriff's departments are coming out arming deputies within their townships.
1: Yeah, I mean, wild, wild stuff. Yeah, uh, I rewatched the uh, the Ken Burns s- Civil War documentary last night, or it's a multi part series, but boy, it's um, it's uh, sort of feeling like we're at this. Uh, are there any
0: uh, any parallels to We're the Civil at, War
1: that we can see today? I mean, it's to, to say that today is like 1861 yeah. is... It may be a little forced, but it does seem like... It's like the 1861 of post-politics, where Bitcoiners are basically saying, well, we don't even need your permission to to gather here you know we're just going to do it um it doesn't even need to be the the secession does not happen anymore by you know official channels um so i don't know it's it's interesting to see how because the second amendment issues are all enforced along the axes of traditional politics and like county by county enforcement of gun laws, so it's uh it's sort of an analog of maybe what's happening in digital systems, but uh boy, I don't know it's uh it might be popping off come this time next year uh,
0: give peace a chance people
1: give peace a chance. Also and
0: uh don't try to forcibly take stuff from people.
1: Don't don't forcibly take stuff. Uh and obviously uh you know be willing to defend what is yours. Uh, That's
0: what I'm most worried about. I don't think there's enough Americans who are ready to defend the ideals.
1: I think we may I think that it, it's hard to say. Has the character of America been suppressed since the Civil War? I mean, it's uh it's sort of like uh, like have we reached peak peak nato peak peak centralization, oh, I
0: goddamn hope so
1: <laughs> i mean it it would seem that there's only that there's only disintegration from here, yeah I, what was
0: your your first quote the first time you came on uh, Bitcoin has an acidic effect on oh yeah
1: it, to dissolve to dissolve large nation states and power structures, yes i mean i i I do believe this I believe that Urbit does this as well um we we didn't really get too far into it, but one of the big points of Urbit is you decide who you network with uh and the digital communities that you form are uh are basically entirely voluntary so Nobody can force you to network with anyone else. and uh, nobody can, nobody can keep you from leaving you know, a networked relationship. Uh, there's a, a good quote, I think uh, I think it was Andrea Castillo said the other day, um, on Twitter and uh, you know all the social media sites, That have been having these free speech debates the issue that they're debating is not really free speech it's actually just that when you have one central platform for everyone to use it's very difficult to impose rules that suit everyone equally so urbit basically it's like we're at the end of a long car trip and the siblings are fighting in the back seat and we finally pull over at grandma's house and everyone can get out of the car and you know go get a breath of fresh air by themselves um and i'm i'm incredibly optimistic about what this could mean for you know the future of human relating uh (laughs) whatever type of connections you want to make with people that you're no longer forced to be in such a, such a tight confined space.
0: Yeah. And you were, uh, you were tweeting at Jack to, to put his open source Twitter developers towards urban. He said, Jack's looking for Urbit when he came out and he basically uh, it seems <laughs> I mean, like he's identified the problem that you described earlier. It, you, I mean, it's yeah. <laughs> tough to be the, the police of everybody on your network. So he'd rather, it seems like he'd rather not do that job.
1: Absolutely. I mean, Nassim, it's to Taleb's point is that you know, local politics is, is the best form of politics because uh, when you get down to a local level, that's when you share the most things and you have the most in common with the other people. Uh, you share values. You share uh, whatever bonds of community there are. Um, and that makes just... Uh, I don't want to use the word governing, but it makes just keeping the peace in those types of groups fundamentally easier. Yeah, yeah.
0: Not everybody will be forced to congregate in one central location to scream at each other. They can can speak in peace to the people they want to without having other people butt in. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, well, Christian, it's always a goddamn pleasure. Sorry for using the Lord's name
1: in vain in front of you. (laughs) It's all right.
0: Um, you got any final notes? Final, any
1: final notes? Final thoughts? Let's see. Um. Might, might go see Uncut Gems. It looks like Adam Sandler crushed it. He might get an Oscar. Really?
0: Um, I want to go see that with you. I'm sorry, I have to bail.
1: Ah, uh, okay. Um, I told you that, didn't I? No. Oh, I thought this, I this, is, you. this is Marty flaking on me. In I texted real time. you. <laughs> <laughs> I texted you that. I'm 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 kidding. I'm kidding. Um I I I believe you. Um yeah, it looks good though. Uh I am excited to see uh Adam Sandler flex flex the full range of his acting ability.
0: Yeah, he's uh he's not Billy Madison in this movie.
1: Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, what else we got? Um Merry Christmas. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Merry Christmas. We're six days away.
1: Yeah. Oh, shoot. I need to get some gifts.
0: I better get on that, dude.
1: I better get on that.
0: (laughs) All right. He's going to go get on that.
1: Peace and love, freaks. Until next time.